singleness and dating. Now, this is like an embarrassing admission. Well, not an embarrassing admission, but... Um, and I said this to Katie when she asked me if I'd do this talk. I feel very ill-equipped in this. And I know speakers say that at all things, just to play it down and be humble. But I seriously do. Um, I, I got married when I was 19. Uh, and so, like, singleness isn't really something super familiar to me. But I, but I, I do know a lot of people uh, who are single. And I've chatted with a lot of people who are single most of my experience dating was as a non-Christian teenager, which is probably very different than, than your experience. Well, I hope you're not acting like a non-Christian teenager anyway. Um, but at the same time, I've been a youth pastor. I've worked with young adults and stuff for years. Uh, but I think what I am confident in is not so much my own history and experience, but the Word of God. Uh, and like with anything I do, I just want to come straight from the Word of God uh, and challenge and encourage you from that. And so we're going we're gonna to run through that. I'm going to give you answers and ideas that come from, um, yeah, from the Word of God through the Spirit of God uh, that are more inspired than anything I could uh, come up with myself. So um, the way we're going to do this is I'm going to, uh, on this sheet here, <coughs> we've got a few Bible verses uh, and a few principles that we're going to run through. And then I'm going to go through the questions, not all of them, but some of the questions that are uh, you posted on the Google um, Doc thing that I sent out yesterday. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I'm going to endeavour to answer those using this framework that I've, that I've given you on the paper, right? Uh, but uh, I want you to just, like, pipe up during it. Like, if you have a question, just, just ra- like, maybe raise your hand. That's probably better than just going, but just like, yeah, just put up your hand. Uh, and I'll, uh, yeah, I'll, 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 yeah, I'm happy to dialogue, hey. Like, I don't want this to be a um, monologue. Uh, all right, so the, the first thing I want to make clear is, you've probably heard this before, but the Bible doesn't talk about dating at all, right? So if you go to a concordance and look up, what's the Bible say about dating? Nothing, because people didn't date in the Bible, for better or for worse, uh, People, all marriages were arranged, uh, and so dating didn't happen. Uh, so their world was very different from our world, right? The Bible has, has a bit to say about singleness, but in a day and age where there were arranged marriages, not many people were single. Uh, most of the single people were probably widows, right? Um, or, uh, or eunuchs, which is rather unfortunate. Uh, and so, uh, so the Bible doesn't have to have much to say directly about those things. But the Bible has a lot of wonderful general principles that we can apply to everything. Because the Bible doesn't say anything about iPads either, does it? Uh, but, but we can deduce from what the Bible teaches about how to use our iPads in a uh, godly way. And it's the same with singleness and dating. So here's some things I want to run through that I think are excellent principles. You would have heard all these verses before uh, that relate to our discipleship and therefore relate... To, to our relationships, right? So first one, Matthew 22, this is the greatest commandment. Uh, the religious leaders come up, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. All right, keep that in your head. All these things we're going through, these are just... Every decision you make as a single or as someone entering a relationship or someone in a relationship, 
should be filtered through these lenses because this is this is what our discipleship means, right? Uh, 1 Corinthians 10, uh, a bit of context with this. Paul is talking about something that is completely irrelevant to us and that's food that has been sacrificed to idols and then later eaten, right? And so whilst I say the Bible says nothing about singleness or uh, dating, uh, it says a lot about food sacrificed to idols, which is completely irrelevant to us, but the principles there apply really well. And this is what he says, all things are lawful, so as a Christian, all things are lawful. Like Elise said before, I'm not judged by my uh, good works. All things are lawful. I can do what I want because I'm, I'm saved by grace. But not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. So whether you eat or drink, after this, this last part comes after Paul's spoken a lot about food offered to idols. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Then Romans 12.2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. 1 Corinthians 7.17, this comes after a section where Paul is talking about people who are married and people who are single, people who are widows, people who are divorced. And he says this, nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God has called them. So he's saying it doesn't matter what situation of life, you should live as a believer in that situation because God has called you to it. situation you're in right now, it's not a surprise to God. He knows you're there and you should live as a believer in that situation. Okay, so there's a few like principles, general guiding principles and, and uh, oh, verses and, and you'll see the six dot points below that. I'm going to run through these quickly. Then we're going to go through your questions and sort of show how they relate. So the first thing you want to ask is, am I keeping my love for God as a priority? That comes from the greatest commandment. If you are to love God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength, are you doing that as a single person, as someone who's dating, as someone who's like actively pursuing a relationship? That's the first one. And the second one, am I loving my partner or the person I'm pursuing as myself? So remember, our relationships just aren't about us and what we can get out of it. Like, am I loving them as I love myself? Am I seeking their good, not just my own? Number three, is it helpful for me? Like, maybe we all desire a relationship, and a relationship you're allowed to, it's good, go for it, but is it helpful? Is it going to be beneficial for you as a disciple and as a Christian at this point in time? It's a big question to ask. Number four, does this seek the good of the other person? The way I'm acting in my relationship right now, uh, that comes from 1 Corinthians 10 as well. You know, He says, uh, let no one seek his own good but the good of his neighbour. This relationship I'm pursuing, am I seeking the good of this girl that I'm chasing or this guy that I'm chasing? Or this relationship I'm in, are my actions seeking the good in my partner? Is it good for them? Is it benefiting them? Is it growing them as a Christian? Is it making them a better person? Number five, is my desire or plan based on God's views? Oh, sorry, on the world's views or God's. Romans 12.2, don't conform to the pattern of this world. The world will tell you outright, and this is the biggest lie the world tells, I reckon, these days, is that satisfaction and happiness comes through uh, a sexual relationship, right? That, like, that, 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 that's like, it's everywhere. Uh, I know it's easy for me to say, but that's crap. The fact that the only way you can be truly fulfilled and satisfied is to have a, an intimate, be it sexual relationship. 
And so Romans 12.2 speaks into that saying, do not be conformed to, the, to what the world says, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Are we believing what the world actually says, that to be satisfied you need a relation, a romantic relationship? Because that's not biblical. Uh, so let's not be conformed to the likeness of the world. And then number six, am I using my unique phase of life as a calling? Am I using my unique phase of life as a calling? So you could be married or single or dating or somewhere in between. Are you using that? Are you seeing that this is a calling? God has placed me on a mission in this situation I'm in at the moment. And so it might be for me to serve my wife and my children, or if I was single, it might be for me to use my, my time and gifts in ways that can bless others, or if I'm in a relationship, am I using that as a way, to uh, as a calling? Viewing every situation you're in as a calling. It may not be a calling you like, right? You don't have to be like, sick, thanks for this calling, God, it's great. But, but are you using it as a calling? Uh, because if you're there, it's no surprise to God, uh, and you're there for a purpose. So keep all these things in mind. Those six principles, keep that in front of you. Dave, can you flick the, um, across to the front PC for me, man? And so here's some questions, right, that are, that, that were asked. They were all anonymous. Your email addresses didn't come up. Um, so that's good. Maybe they were there, but I don't have the skills to use Google in that way. So your secrets are safe with me, right? Uh, uh, and some of them I've reworded. Some of them I've like, Join together, but so we're going to go through these, hopefully using some of the principles that I uh, uh, that, that we've got there, right? And so the first one is just the classic: is it okay to date a non-Christian? Um, and again, is it okay? Or what's one Corinthians ten say? Everything's permissible for you, right? So if you want to, you can. But what's the next part of the verse say? Is it good? Is it going to be good for you? Is it going to help you to love God more? Is it going to strengthen you in your relationship as a Christian? Is it going to fire you up and help you be able to... Is it going to free you up to serve people more and to, and to be on mission for God more? I'm not going to answer that question for you. Um, but I think it's probably going to be obvious in most cases. So, yeah, everything is permissible, but is it beneficial? Is it good for me to date a non-Christian? Uh, so that's the, that's the answer I would give to that. The Bible says don't marry a non-Christian. Uh, it says don't be unequally yoked. Uh, and we can understand why. Uh, if the most important thing in your life is your faith, uh, then it'd be very hard to share the most intimate and intensive relationships with someone else who didn't do the same thing. Uh, but, but you can if you want. And I know plenty of people who have. Uh, but is it good? That's what you need to ask, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. Any pushback? Any any further questions on that? Feel free to shout out. Put your hand up. All right. Cool. Uh, <clears throat> the next one when singleness feels like a season and more like a future uh, sorry when it feels less like a season and more like a future how do you overcome people saying that God has someone waiting for you or it's just this time period that is making you feel this way so as it's talking about how to, yeah, how to respond to other people um, and that Romans 12 pops up in this, like don't be conformed to the thinking of the world just because your friends are all like, oh, poor you, must suck, really suck, must be, must be really hard. Um, don't be conformed to their thinking. So, may, so maybe firstly you're, you're happy being single and in which case you just say, yeah, just chill, mate, I'm, like, I'm happy. Uh, I, don't, I don't need no man or woman or whatever it is. Um, uh, but, may, but maybe it actually does get you down and you are... You are struggling. You are suffering um, 
through this. And, and if that's the case, then how do you overcome people saying that? I think it's good to be honest and open with people, uh, saying, look, I, I, have, I have a real fear that this is more than just a, a phase, that this could be something that's going to stick around for a long time and I'd appreciate your prayers and encouragement. Uh, I don't want your pity or sympathy, but I, but I want a brother or sister to walk through this with me and encourage me in it. Um, there, there's another question that relates to that in a moment. Uh, again, before I go to the next one. This one. How do I know if someone is the right one? Um, yeah, it's a good one. Uh, how do I know if someone's the right one? Uh, so that, that's pretty difficult, hey? Um, obviously, attraction is the first thing that happens. Like, we're, yeah, we're wired that way. We have... I'm, I'm not a biologist or whatever, but, uh, but that's how we, we are wired, right? Like that's, that's how the species continues. We look at someone, we like the look of them, and then one day make babies with them. Um, it's, it's pretty cool. But, it's, uh, but, but for us, as, like, yeah, as, as mammals that are like, uh, more, more, yeah, more intelligent and our, our relationships have implications, then how do we know someone is the right one? Just because they look good and you're able to make babies. That, that we know there's a lot more to it than that. Um, and so I think you'd go through those points that we just looked at before, right? Can you go out with them? Yeah, you can. Is it going to be good? Is this person going to be good for you as a Christian? Keeping your discipleship is number one, right? Your discipleship is number one. Is this person going to be good for you as a Christian? That's always a good thing to ask first. Are you going to be able to be good for them? Are the person who you, is the person who you are at this point in time, is that... <clears throat> me. Are you actually in a position where you're going to able to be good for them, or are you just going to like te- <clears throat> me, tear them down and make their life difficult, right? Because uh, may- maybe we're not ready, so we need to ask that question: uh, Is it going to be good for you? Uh, are you going to be good for them? <clears throat> uh, yes. Yeah, so is, it, is it helpful? Uh, and can can if I'm in this relationship, can I keep my relationship with God as a priority? Uh, are they going to enable me to grow as a Christian? If You need to ask these questions seriously. So they might be the best-looking person you've ever met. You might have so much in common with them. Uh, they might make you feel like you're just king of the world. But if they're not going to help you grow as a Christian, uh, then it's, it's probably not. They're probably not the one. Uh, and I think that's important to remember. Yeah, like your emotions and your feelings, your attraction may be overwhelming, but what really matters and what will be there at the end of the day is your walk with God. And the other thing, the other thing that's worth thinking about as well is this idea of trust. <coughs> um, uh, you want to establish good trust from the outset. So is this a person you can trust? Is it a person you can trust with your spiritual walk? Can you entrust them to encourage you and help you to grow? Uh, can you trust them with your money? Right, because if you if you ever get married one day, like you'll you're gonna have to trust them with your money. Uh, can you trust them with your time that they'll respect your time? Can you trust them with your body that they'll respect your body and your, and your boundaries? Uh, can you trust? Yeah, can you trust them? Uh, and that's another good question to ask as well. On top of the other ones, so they're going to help you grow as a Christian. And can you trust them? Is there like a good trust here that goes beyond just that attraction? Because yeah, attraction's easy, right? It's the easy part. Uh, but we want to go deeper and go further than that. Uh, this one, any encouragement? Yeah. <clears throat> um, the 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, yeah, so yeah, I don't think you'll. Yeah, the whole idea of knowing is is this person the right one? Is a it's a strange concept, anyway, isn't it? You know, like um, yeah. Does God have one particular person for you? Uh, look, that's a, that's a, that's a really complicated question, depending on your theology and whether everything's predetermined or not. Um, we, and we don't really need to get into that. But uh, but if you're able to answer those questions in the affirmative, then it's probably a relationship that's worth pursuing. That's what I would say. It doesn't. It may not mean that they are the one, but if you can tick those boxes, those important boxes that they're trustworthy, that it's going to be good for you as a Christian, it's going to be good for them. If you can tick those boxes, then give it a go approach it and you might find out uh, that hang on this is <laughs> certainly not the right one uh, but but yeah you may like tumble into it and realize this person is yeah who I'm looking for so that makes sense yeah. yeah cool any encouragement for those who are single and don't want to be um, so yeah this the Bible the Bible speaks a little bit about this um, Paul talks about singleness, uh, and Paul actually says uh, he'd prefer people to be single instead of married. Right? This is in 1 Corinthians 7. He's not saying that singleness is better than marriage. He's saying, because he goes on to say, whatever position you're in, use it for God's glory. Uh, but he's saying when him being single and other people he knows who are single are able to give more time, uh, are able to serve uh, they don't have the troubles of life, he calls it, that comes along with marriage. And that sounds pretty like the old ball and chain sort of thing, right? Um, which I don't, that's not what he's getting at. But he's just talking about the, just the, the financial, the social, the time, uh, those other sort of burdens that marriage and children do bring with them. Uh, uh, you, you're, you're set free from those things, uh, in a way. And so encouragement would be that you do have a freedom that other people don't. And you might think, well, it's pretty crap freedom. Um, but, but it is a freedom that other people don't. It's a freedom from certain stresses and certain difficulties, uh, certain pain, uh, that other people don't have. And yes, you then have problems and stresses and pain and difficulties that others don't have as well. But it's not like, it's not like they've all got it good, we've all got it bad or vice versa. It's, we, we have unique struggles and unique Blessings, and we just need to see that I'm in a unique position. Uh, society is telling you more of that lie that poor you, your life sucks because you're single. Um, your life might suck because you're single, but your life might suck because you're married. You know, uh, and so we just we just have to approach it in that way. So be encouraged to know that, yeah, that that you have unique opportunities uh, to serve God and to serve others. Uh, and I think uh, the other thing I would say on top of that is that um, it's not a surprise to God. Like we saw in 1 Corinthians 7, uh, am I using this phase of life as a calling, right? Uh, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has called them to. So God's called you to this for one reason or another, and and it might suck and it might feel difficult, but God's called you to this. So, so feel honoured <clears throat> to be called by God into this phase of life, this unique phase of life that you may not be in for very long, where, where God has said, hey, I want you to be here right now. And when you view it that way, uh, it, it still carries with it some baggage and some difficulty, but it's a reminder that 
that God has uniquely positioned you to do something good for his glory. Uh, and that can be freeing as well. Uh, <clears throat> another thing Paul says in Romans, he's not talking about marriage or singleness, but he's just talking in general. Uh, he calls them <clears throat> trials and tribulations. Romans chapter 5, let me just get it. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 to 5. So he's just talking generally about any crap that we can go through. And, and I understand that for, for many people, singleness can feel like a trial, you know, like a, 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 a horrible and tough situation that you just don't want to be in. Uh, and Paul says this, Romans 5, 3 to 5, <clears throat> We also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character and character hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So you know that God's using any suffering you do have for being single, God is using it to improve your character and to strengthen you, to make you a better person. Uh, and the reason why it's doing that is because you have the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit is a constant comforter and reminder that God hasn't just left you, uh, that he's just not like, oh, yeah, sorry, mate, you're on your own, that, that he's walking with you. The Holy Spirit dwells within you and is that constant companion that's reminding you and strengthening you in this phase of life. I don't expect you to think any of those answers are like, oh, sick, now it's going to be heaps easy. Right? That's, that's not the point. There's still wrestling and there's still difficulty. The same, same thing to do with any sort of suffering or, or sadness. Uh, but those things, when we can start to view ourselves as being positioned uniquely by God in his position of life, uh, can start to free you to think, this sucks, but I'm going mil- to milk it. I'm going to use, use it for the glory of God uh, and, and, and milk as much joy out of it as I can in this unique position that I may never be in again. <coughs> yeah, man. <coughs> Sorry, what's your name, man? I don't know. No, Ty. Ty? Yeah. 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 Mm. Yeah. 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 I think. Yeah. I. I think that's. Um. Yeah. That's true. To, that's true to a point. Hey. That the. The more joy of the Lord we have, the more attractive we'll be to the right person. Like, and that's what I mean to the right person. Like, um, sure, joy of the Lord will make you unattractive to most people, but to the right person, joy of the Lord will... Um, yeah, and especially if you don't have a chip on your shoulder, if you have confidence in, in your God and where he's placed you, that, that's, that's an attractive trait, you know, to, to have that confidence and trust. So, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, Katie. Um, <coughs> Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And God's providential, hey. Like, um, and God's very gracious. Um, I look back. I, I think I was an unusual nineteen-year-old. Like, I, 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 looking back, I was clearly more mature. And. And that's not a brag because that's probably the only, like a small window in my life where I have shown excess maturity. Right now, I, I'm not, and before that, certainly not. Um, but I think God equipped me with with um, that maturity because 
he knew I was pursuing this relationship and he knew where it was going to end. Um, and so I, I was ready because I, I was, I was willing to, uh, I'd say the same for Jackie and my wife. We were ready because we were willing to make a lifelong commitment and do whatever it took to make that work. Um, uh, and so I think in that way we were ready. Yeah, we were both confident in our faith and in each other's faith, uh, and we were both willing to to just put our foot down and make it work properly. So I think that's why we were ready. Um, in terms of a lot of the other ways of being ready financially, we weren't ready. Like it was a pretty reckless financial decision, as our parents kept reminding us. Um, thanks, Holly. Uh, but yeah, I, I didn't. I, I, I didn't go through a list of things to um, ascertain whether I was ready or not at that point in time. Uh, but God, in his graciousness, um, yeah, has, has blessed us with like 16 awesome years with, without much difficulty. So, um, yeah, I would say the spiritual side of things is the most important. And so if you want to make, yeah, uh, yeah, if you want to prepare yourself in that way. And then, um, and then to make us more ready, we did pre-marriage counselling, which um, just drills home that point. And uh, yeah, and any good pre-marriage counsellor will tell you at the end whether you are ready to be married or not, or whether you should ditch it. Um, yeah, which is scary, but uh, but yeah, it's good. So does that make sense? Cool. <clears throat> this one: if you've had sex with your boyfriend or girlfriend uh, and you've repented of it as a couple, should you break up, uh, or could you work through it in a way that glorifies God? Heaps good question. Um, I don't think you should necessarily break up. Uh, I think things could be difficult. Um, I'll, I'll give you a bit more science and biology. Some people's good at that, right? Um, uh, sex is created by God, and science backs this up as well, that it creates bonds that, that uh, make you emotionally and physically, like, Intertwined, right? And, and sex does that. Uh, and so once you've had sex with your boyfriend or girlfriend, it's very, it's probably going to be very hard not to have sex again, uh, and not to have a sort of intense relationship, because that's exactly what sex is there for. That's why God designed it to bond a man and a woman together in a relationship. Uh, and so it's going, it's going to be difficult. Uh, but I'm, I don't, I don't believe you should necessarily break up. Uh, I think that. Uh, I think it's something you should think through sensibly. And I'm not going to say the other thing, now you've had sex, you better go and get married. I think that's a, that's a dangerous uh, proposition as well. Uh, but if you, I believe you should continue to pursue that relationship if you're able to tick those boxes. But if the reason why you had sex is because you're just not good for each other and neither of you have good self-control uh, and you're, you're dragging the other one down or they're dragging you down or Christ isn't at the centre of real relationship, unless you're able to sort those things out, then it's probably worth having a break. Uh, so I think that, that's where I'd start. You'd look, what, why did this happen? And is this something we're able to remedy? Is this something we're able to sort out? And if you're unable to sort it out, it's probably good to, to keep your distance until you're in a spiritually mature place to, uh, to get back together again. Uh, if there's no one right for me in my church, <coughs> I reworded this. The original one was was worded was actually written quite funnily. Um, uh, uh, if there's no one right for me in my church, does that mean I go looking to other churches to find a friend, or do I just 
pray, sit back and expect God to just let them come into my life. I'm all for waiting and honouring God in the process, but at what point does this seem like a little too passive and wishful thinking? That's pretty good, eh? It's, it's, it's a good question. Like, if I'm trusting God, does that mean I'm going to do nothing, right? I, God, I trust you to bring the right person along. Um, I don't believe that idea of, like, God helps those that helps themselves. That, that I, I, don't, I don't follow that line of thinking, but I do believe that God... God helps those who do something because they feel God's given them the permission and energy to go and do it, you know? So God, God, God is sovereign and God enacts his sovereignty through his people, right? Uh, and so you trusting in God, trust never means passivity, never means just sitting there and waiting, right? Uh, it's, Taking an active step or pursuing something doesn't mean that you lack trust in God and what He has designed for you. Uh, it's a it's a step of faith, and it's saying, "Well, God, uh, yeah, I believe I believe you may have someone for me, and I'm going to make active measures to to find that person." And so, there's nothing wrong with pursuing a relationship. That doesn't mean that you don't trust God. It doesn't mean that you're ungodly. It doesn't mean that you've lost all faith. If you are doing it in faith, and if you are doing it in satisfaction, that even if this goes nowhere. God's, God's still good, then, then go for it. Uh, pursue a relationship. Uh, uh, yeah, in, in, in whatever godly way, right? Um, uh, thoughtful, prayerful, godly way. Uh, so, do I go looking at other churches? Uh, I, yeah, that's a tough one, I think. Um, fellowship is more than about just finding the right partner. Fellowship, God, God wants you to fellowship in a church where you have good community, where you're being taught the Word of God. That's primarily the, the Word of God is being spoken and taught properly, uh, where you have good community, where you feel loved, but also where you're able to love and serve others. And so these are the primary reasons why you go to a church, right? Uh, to do those things, to be fed and to serve and to be served and obviously to worship with a gathered community. So... So if your thoughts are to change church, I'm not going to say don't, but I'm going to say that the, the, the church community around you uh, is going to be number one on your list because it will make you a better Christian. Uh, and so there's a good chance that leaving your church and your community where you are now will take away from your Christian life and take away from your discipleship. You'll have to start again. You won't know people uh, the teaching may not be as good. It might take a while for you to form intimate relationships where people can feed into your life. Uh, and so I'd be pretty careful about that uh, because it's, it may be dishonouring God and it may be allowing your faith to take a back seat. Um, uh, but in saying that, there are plenty of other places where you can meet other Christian people. Uh, you can you can actively ask your friends. And there's nothing wrong with this, like... Jamie, I know you've got heaps of chicks that you hang out with. Any that you think are like good Christian chicks that you could hook me up with, you know, um, or, uh, or or something like that. Like, there's nothing wrong with saying things like that, as long as you have the right, uh, yeah, right intentions behind it. Um, there's nothing wrong with being proactive, and there's nothing wrong with being assertive in pursuing a relationship. Uh, but you just don't want to use Christian institutions like church or whatever 
as a conduit for you to get what you want, if that makes sense. Does that give clarity? Any more questions on that one? It's a bit of a tough one, hey? People go to Beach Mission for the same reason. Um, uh, and, uh, which is true. Well, actually, a friend of mine is getting married later this year. I'm preaching at his wedding. Uh, and he was told when he was in high school, because he never had a girlfriend all throughout high school, and it was always like, that, that was a big thing for him. And so someone told him, uh, go on Beach Mission, and you'll, and you'll meet a girl. And uh, eight years later, he met a girl through that guy who invited him to beach mission. So she wasn't even on beach mission. She was just friends with his wife. And then he's like, so it was true in a way. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, people do that. People, people go to might, yeah. And, and I'd just be wary of doing things like that. I think you follow, the more Christian friends you have, the better. The more areas you're able to serve and engage with different Christian things, the better. Uh, and that just broadens your pool uh, and, and opens up more opportunities, not just to meet a future partner, but to meet other great Christians and to grow Christian connections in that way. So I'd encourage you to just dive in, a Christian group at uni, beach mission, serving in church, serving alongside someone you can see, like blood, sweat and tears, and you can actually get to know the real them. And so often relationships can form in in strong ways that way. So I'd encourage you to do all those things, not with the intent of finding a partner, but because that's what you should do as a Christian. and it will enrich your Christian life. Uh, and who knows what else God has in store in those, um, in those relationships. The Bible says don't get divorced. Does this relate to dating as well? So if I started going out with someone and I don't really like them anymore, um, does that mean, well, too bad, I've made a commitment to them, uh, I've got to stay with them? Uh, no. Uh, so that'd be my that'd be my straight answer. No, I think I think we need to um, we need to be really careful with the things that the Bible says about marriage and applying them to dating. So things like um, uh, wives submit to your husbands. Uh, that, that's a that's something that needs to be worked through uh, properly anyway as a text and how it works out in your relationship. But for that to work in a in a dating relationship, that's that's a no go. And if you girls, if you're in a relationship with a dude that says that while you're dating like alarm bells, right? Um, and guys, likewise. Um, uh, if, you, if you use it to a girl, it's, it's out of context and just, just drop it, right? Uh, so things like that. And same with that, yeah, the, the idea of, of, of commitment. Uh, when, when you're dating and you're doing it properly and sensibly, uh, if, if you come to the realisation that you're not attracted, and it doesn't have to be like a spiritual reason. It doesn't have to be they're not growing me as a Christian. You may just get to a point where you think that I just... I just don't find this person engaging or attractive or enjoyable to be around. That's your complete prerogative, guilt-free, to let go of that relationship in a godly manner, right? Don't dump them by text or something. But, um, but to have a proper conversation, there are no... Yeah, for, uh, for, you, to, for you to let go of that relationship in a godly way, uh, in a nice way. Like don't dump them for their friend or don't sneak off behind their back, but to, to let them go... Nothing wrong with that. Uh, it's different than marriage. Uh, how can I... Oh, sorry, is that all right? Yeah? Uh, how can I encourage my partner's relationship, growth with God, when they're not fully on fire for God? They're a Christian and go to church, but not really spiritually mature. Uh, there's a few like this, so this is a melding together of a few. Another similar one was, uh, what are your thoughts on Christians of varying levels of faith dating? 
or, or being together. Uh, and I think when the Bible talks about being unequally yoked, are you familiar with that verse where Paul says, do not be unequally yoked? Uh, uh, it's talking about a believer being with an unbeliever. But, but if you take Paul's imagery, a yoke is something that was tied across the neck of two oxen. Uh, and so that when they ploughed, they would plough in the same direction. Uh, and to be unequally yoked means you've got like, you know, um, Dwayne Johnson and like me on the other side, right? <laughs> and, uh, uh, and then like I'm obviously stronger and we go in that direction. No. Um, <laughs> Uh, and then it just doesn't plow in a straight line. You, you, your loyalties are divided in a way, and you're not going where you should go, uh, and you're you sort of you're pulled down, you're pulled away, right? Uh, and, that, and that's what Paul's saying. And so I think that that image and that metaphor does work to uh, the idea of dating or going out with someone who isn't a who might be a Christian but isn't active and isn't strong in their faith and isn't pursuing. A relationship. Because if we go back to those questions, is this helping you to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Uh, maybe if they're a weak Christian, um, maybe it ticks that second box. Is it good for them? Maybe it is. You might be, you might be bringing them up, but that's, that could be you being pulled down, right? You don't want to be a hero. You don't go in a relationship to, you're not a rehabilitation center, right? Um, you want to choose wisely. And, and, and if they're unable to, from the outset, show that sort of Christian maturity you think will be good for you in your discipleship, I would say don't. And I would say if you find them super attractive and you think they're great and you'd love a relationship with them, then pursue a good friendship, hang out with them, get to know them more, encourage them as a Christian brother or sister to grow in their faith. And if they do, maybe maybe one day something will spark. But I would say if they're not at your level of Christian maturity and they're not, they're, they're not going to stretch you and encourage you and grow you, then it's just... I just find my faith is so important to me that why would I risk it on some on someone who's going to jeopardise it and take that joy of Christ out of my life? But I just don't think it's worth it. Um, and that may be a non-Christian or it may be someone who's just not active in their faith. That was the last question. Um, any more questions or anything else? I don't know if I've gone over time or any other discussion points. Cool. Well, what I want to say, I'm going to. I, I read some really good articles about singleness and dating, particularly some ones about singleness. I'm going to. I'll upload them all to um to the group. Uh, I'll put the links on there. Uh, yeah, I found them pretty helpful. Uh, I lots of them are like dot points, five five steps for something, you know, clickbaity sort of things. But but I've I've gone over them. They're all helpful. They're all good. Uh, I'll post them up there. The reason why I thought I'd do this tonight, I just wanted to give you those general principles that then you can hopefully apply to any other question that comes up. You have any other question, you just run it through those and just sort of, that's your filter. Does does it tick these boxes? Um, But at the same time, um, as a pastor of this church, uh, like I said before, my favourite thing to do is just to hang out with people. Uh, I'll sit here at midnight talking with you tonight if you'd like to. Uh, even later, don't worry. Like Honestly, that's my job. I love it. Um, <clears throat> I'll take phone calls, emails, Facebook messages. Uh, I know the other pastors will too, and I know the other the leaders and, and your brothers and sisters here will do the same. But, but I know a lot of these issues are big and hard to talk through and, and don't miss an opportunity to talk with someone about them. So I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, and, and be aware that myself and, and the eldership of the team are praying specifically 
for um, for young adults as they navigate through the complexities of life and relationships and everything. So, yeah, we've got your back and we love you and we'll support you practically but definitely prayerfully as well. So let me pray for you now. Lord God, we thank you that you're so good. Uh, we thank you that you've designed us in in a beautiful way and in a like just a com- complex way, God, physically, emotionally, uh, spiritually. Uh, and I think this complexity of who we are as human beings is a good reminder of how great you are and how far beyond our thoughts and uh, uh, yeah, and, and how far beyond our science you are. And we thank you for your greatness and we stand in awe of you. Uh, we pray that through your spirit, God living within us, uh, you'll uh, be gracious to reveal to us uh, a path to live wisely in our relationships, uh, in our singleness, in our dating, uh, and whatever is in our futures. Lord, help us to first and foremost seek you, uh, to seek what is good for our own discipleship and to seek the good of others. And help us each to use our unique position where we are right now as a calling from you uh, to serve and to, if not change the world, but to change the, uh, the people and the, our spheres of influence around us. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen.